This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuned in to the new TNN. A shroud of darkness has fallen over the world of sports-based entertainment when even a beloved, over-the-top commentator from Oklahoma unleashes his vicious clones upon all of us looking for reason within the darkness. A stone-cold adversary has risen to take on some Caribbean superstar of a Savio Vega nature. Uh, even if he doesn't show up, could a stone-cold man spread his, his darkness against a potential King of the Ring award winner? And what a family in dark times. Perhaps relatives of a brother-in-law nature could successfully defend a tag team championship title contention against brothers of a Texas nature. But in the intercontinental world in which we live, wild, wildness has been spreading. And a golden opportunity awaits if the most bizarre one could counter the WWF's one-two punch. But is one truly a master of their domain? Well, a web domain or a, a spatial computing domain, notwithstanding. But a master of a powerbomb-based nature. Well, perhaps if one is psycho, he could potentially withstand the fury of a mastodon unleashed by a man that we call Vader. And a man that calls himself Psycho, notwithstanding. Well... He plays softball. And me? Well, I make movies. But what about the extreme darkness in of a non-sanctioned nature? With the remnants of the art by his side. The Undertaker. The Phantom. The man who stands before us. Not willing to be buried alive in front of all mankind. Betrayal, excitement, clones. Live from Indianapolis, Indiana. Never before, never again. It's Concrete Man in your house. Buried alive. We make movies. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Concrete Man here on the new TNN. Uh, this show, hosted by Johnny C, who is I, of course. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back for this one. I miss Concrete Man. I love Concrete Man. Concrete Man, of course, this show where we uh, add to the living document that is every time Vince McMahon yells, In your house! while commentating an in-your-house pay-per-view extravaganza. So, uh, God, it's, it's been some time, I feel like, since we, well, we played a little mind games in your house with the superstars, the World Wrestling Federation, and a couple of special guests from Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yeah, but here we are now. It's, it's, it's the spooky show. It's the October show. How have, oh, I got a cough. <coughs> Sorry. But I feel much better now. At least I think I do. Hold on, another one. <coughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in. It was too funny me trying to not do it. I don't understand to this very day. This is all I was going to talk about was how October pay-per-views in the WWF slash E, like, they never really got the key, the Halloween hook. You know, and when they had the rights to Halloween Havoc, they were too fucking proud 
to just make the October pay-per-view Halloween Havoc every year. I never understood that. There's brand equity. Well, hold on, equity, executables, a brand, you know, I, I think we got something here, JR. Let, let, let's call it uh, Halloween Havoc. Well, I mean, Vince, you're the boss, I mean, Halloween Havoc, and call the cable companies to tell them to change the name. I guess I'll just do that. Guess old JR taking care of calling the cable companies, Vince. Ain't gonna give me a raise for that, but hell, we'll change the name of the pay-per-views. Now, why Jim Ross and Vince McMahon arguing in a sketch this so early, uh, so early here on Conquerman? Because, folks, buckle up. A lot has changed in the World Wrestling Federation, as you could tell from our introduction that I hope you all enjoyed. So let's just sort of do a real quick checklist of the four things of note that help set the stage for tonight's premium live event. So, when we came to you last time, the Intercontinental Championship was held in abeyance due to the kidney-based injuries of one Ahmed Johnson. Well, since that time, the bad man, Mark Merrill, has defeated... Farouk, the modern-day gladiator, to win the Intercontinental Championship in a tournament, the finals of which were contested the night after Mind Games. Now, number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin has continued his ascent after becoming the 1996 King of the Ring Award winner, and he's continued to call out Bret the Hitman Hart, and as of tomorrow, the night after, in your house buried alive, Bret Hart will be live to discuss his status of a contractual nature. Mr. Perfect, still commentating the B-shows, but he's also been messing with Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And tomorrow night, on Raw, Mr. Perfect comes out of retirement to do battle with the Connecticut Blue Blood. And finally, which is the whole point of my little argument segment earlier, Jim Ross has turned heel. And he's been tearing into Vince McMahon every time he's on commentary. I caught some of the superstars that were recently uploaded to the network, and he's certainly in heel character there. He's mostly babyface until it's time to talk about, uh, you know, Vince and stuff like that and do little heel stuff. But most importantly, he has introduced his clones. The fake Razor Ramon and the fake Diesel, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Mayor himself, Glenn Jacobs, and uh, I think Rick Bogner's Razor Ramon, if anybody cared. So yeah, that's a thing. So tonight, <laughs> at the expense of matches, there is a lot to talk about in terms of Vince McMahon and Jim Ross on commentary. Now, I know on all of my podcasts, I talk about commentary a lot. Why? Well, it's the part of wrestling that always hooked me the most. It's the part that most interested me. Um, but aside from that, uh, it, it overshadows the first two matches like it's nobody's business, so I hope you're excited. Talked about how it overshadows the first two matches, but uh, tonight there's five matches, per usual, on an in-your-house pay-per-view. Uh, two of the scheduled matches were changed during the free for all on the pay-per-view, or excuse me, on the preview channel. Originally, Stone Cold Steve Austin was set to take on Savio, Savio Vega, and for some reason, I guess to hype the Mr. Perfect match, which is totally fine, but it doesn't really kind of make any sense, because we're not yet in the era, I think, of the tough man matches, uh, like in 97 when they wanted to have heel versus heel, but it's Stone Cold taking on Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a heel versus heel match, which is actually kind of fun, we'll talk about it. Also, the wild man, Mark Merrill, was supposed to defend his newly won championship of an intercontinental nature against the gladiator for the modern age, Farouk. Uh, but on the free 
for all, Farouk was assaulted by Ahmed Johnson and a 2x4, and now it'll be the wild man Mark Merrow defending against the most bizarre one, Goldust. So, everybody got that? Good! We start with the traditional pay-per-view opening video. It's not as good as mine, so we'll breeze past it. And then, PlayStation presents In Your House, Buried Alive. The In Your House logo, still gone, but we do get the In Your House Tombstone! How badly did these did they sought did they seek uh, Tombstone Pizza to promote this pay-per-view? It would have been glorious brand synergy, but unless for PlayStation 1 is a premium entertainment-based uh, center station for your home computing area, so nonetheless, I think uh, there's synergistic opportunities there. So let's get into it! The in-your-house tombstone breaks, pyrotechnics unleashed. We are in Market Square Arena, home of the greatest wrestling program ever made, the main event from February of 1988, so there's some history there. Welcome, everyone, to Indianapolis, Indiana! Welcome to In Your House, Buried Alive! So, uh, I like you said In Your House, I like you said Buried Alive, but he used it in the proper context, so that hurts. And folks, In Your House, more like In Your Drought! I know... A lot of places around the world experience droughts of a rainless nature. Folks, we're about to experience an in-your-house drought. As, uh... That's the only time he says it for a really long time. But don't worry, we have plenty of shenanigans to discuss. And that's not only it with the in-your-house references for some time. But ladies and gentlemen, that's it. For the Vince McMahon run-on introduction, no. Welcome to Indianapolis, Indiana, where finances are managed by bankers in a downtown location. Conveniently open from 9 to 5 to service all individuals on a one-on-one basis. Welcome to it, your house, buried alive. Nothing. Vince, the king, and good old JR are going to be our hosts for the evening. They're standing up, and there's, there's something off, though. Because Jim Ross has a bit of an indignant look on his face. Vince promises someone is going to be buried alive. Well, at least he said buried alive. And we do get a shot of the cemetery that's been erected by the entranceway. And I'll tell you what, kidsters. Uh, I I loved stuff like this on WWF pay-per-views. Like, you know, I tape them all off TV. But, I, but more importantly, I like little one-off things. I was always excited as a youngster... And not even as a youngster, you know, during the Attitude Era and, and, and stuff like that when I was still watching to see, you know, what are they going to come up with for the set design and stuff like that and what have you. And I was extremely excited to see what this gravesite would look like. And, you know, it doesn't disappoint. It's it's an attraction, as Bruce Pritchard would say. Um, but, but there's something wrong with this burial site, you know. Someone has to live near the burial site, you know, to take care of it. But no one lives near this burial site because the in-your-house entranceway has been replaced with gates to a cemetery. And while I appreciate the synergistic opportunities of a cemetery gate nature, I miss the house! Oh well. Vince and King start to hype things. And you wonder why I mentioned JR has an indignant look on his face. There is no microphone in the hands of of Jim Ross. So while Vincent King are hyping up tonight's pay-per-view extravaganza, where's my mic? How come I don't have a mic? JR says, loudly enough for King's mic to pick it up. Now this is weird. There's some weird things happening. 
He says, where's my mic? How come I don't have a mic? And it's faint like that. Then you hear, Sony PlayStation presents. All right. A technical gaffe there. Or is it? Well, a number of things happened in the free for all. Got a mic right here. Go ahead, JR. Take this mic. Well, I got a lot of things to say. As a matter of fact, Vince and King walk away. Oh, well, uh, we're ready to get started. Let's go. <laughs> this tremendous work by both parties. Because the whole time, JR's complaining about not having a mic. Vince has kind of got that shit-eating grin on his face. And then he's like, all right, JR, go ahead. Take my microphone and speak. I dare you. And as soon as he gives his mic to JR, the harpsichord. And that's when Vince and King walk away. And JR's left holding the ball all alone. He's like, well, well, I got things to say. But yeah, well, well, let's go get started. Come on. What are you guys waiting for? So... Everybody takes a seat at the table. Triple H emerges from the cemetery with a lady on his arm, as he usually does. Vince McMahon explains on the free-for-all that this matchup was made. And, well, that's quite a surprise on the part of Interim. <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't say Interim. Now he is the president. Grill him on suit. How about a king? <laughs> king completely caught off guard. Well, I tell you, this uh, is going to be something. You're either going to see uh, the Stone Cold Stutter... Or the pedigree? Uh, is, my, is my mic working or not? Vince McMahon explains that Ahmed Johnson beat up Farouk. Uh, what kind of stunt is that? By Ahmed Johnson! He should be suspended for life, McMahon! No time to discuss possible suspensions as standing in the back for an interview. Kevin Kelly with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some highlights of the interview. Kevin asks, Stone Cold Steve Austin, has your game plan changed? <coughs> Hold on, I haven't done Austin in a while. It didn't change my game plan one bit, because I already said Stone Cold got a list, and everybody's on it. There ain't a damn thing wrong with Savio Vega, and I know that for a fact. Now I give Hunter Hearst all the credit in the world, because he's got to step in the ring with me. (laughs) Hunter, Hunter Hearst. Get used to hearing that one. He also threatens to retire Bret Hart, and then apologizes that folks don't like to hear his language by saying, quote, if you don't like the language, come down to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, you can kiss my ass, and that's the bottom line. All right, I think we've had enough of that. It's time for Stone Cold Steve Austin to make his entrance. However, something important of note. The glass breaks! I don't know if this is the first appearance of Austin's glass-breaking song, but since we know during Mind Games he came out to the this is at least at a minimum the pay-per-view debut of JR is all fired up from Stone Cold Steve Austin speaking his mind you understand some of us can't be censored here you know some of us got a little bit of our own ideas and we have the courage to say it yeah Stone Cold Steve Austin is proclaimed that it might Fuck. You know what? I'm leaving it. Vince McMahon proclaims that Stone Cold Steve Austin may be destined to be one of the great ones. Which is so prescient. And it, and it just really points out that in hindsight, this matchup is kind of crazy. But I love little shit like that. I really do. It's like, you know, if Triple H and Austin were main evented at Mania, I don't know, let's make something up. WrestleMania 18. It's like, the main event of WrestleMania! We're happening in 1996 uh, in your house, Bird Life King. I just love shit like that. 
JR prepares us for some impending weird weirdness by mentioning that both men are weird. I'm not really a fan favorites, if you will. So, you know, letting us know if, if the crowd acts weird, it's okay. It's to be expected. But in the beginning of some troubles, his microphone starts to violently cut out, as it will for basically the first two matches. Well, how, how come your mics are working? And mine isn't. McMahon! McMahon's working off... Now, we actually start to film the announce table. We get a shot of JR with his cans, and he's flummoxed. Well, what's wrong with the cans, Vince? I, I, I can't hear me! Alright, I got the cans on. Nobody can hear me, Vince. We gotta we got work something out. Ha ha! We'll get that all straightened out, JR. Don't worry about it. The bell rings, and I hope you've got to take a shit, ladies and gentlemen, because we're in for some stalling in the beginning of this match. And of course, you shit in a stall. Uh, both men start stalling by eyeing up Triple H's blonde at ringside and stuff. Out of nowhere! Y- you know, I'm not out here for your amusement, McMurk. The king laughs. Aha! Lock up in an arm drag by Hunter Hurst. And then he does this little curtsy. I enjoyed that. Uh, well, you know, uh, Helmsley may be the quicker of the two. Well, you got that point in. However, I'm not so sure that he is. So as you can see from this comment, Vince and JR are going to be sniping at one another. Now, he's done this in the past, but tonight it's extra, extra spicy and snipey. It appears on the ringside area we're changing out Jim Ross's physical microphone. And at this moment, Stone Cold Steve Austin steps outside to argue with some fans at ringside. Now, I forgot I kind of lost my place here. Well, I didn't lose my place. We're perfectly where we need to be. But I mentioned earlier during the stand-up, when Jim Ross didn't have a mic, it was like, Hey, where's my microphone? Sony PlayStation Presents. I'm wondering if that Sony PlayStation Presents was a was a on-purpose production gaffe to give us the impression that, oh, something might be up with the audio tonight. You know, making us think that this J.R. Vince thing is not an angle. Also, based on the stalling in the beginning of this matchup, I'm wondering... If they told the boys that, hey, you know, this this thing we're doing, this shtick we're doing is going to take a lot of attention away from the home viewing audience. So maybe just stall for a little bit. Unpause. I don't know if I paused, but unpause. So Stone Cold steps out to argue with some fans, and the fans are sitting at ringside on, on the hard cam side, and these fans appear to be friends as they're like high-fiving one another and they, they're they pretty close with one another and that's fine. You like to see friends hanging out, having a good time at the premium live events. Uh, one of the fans is wearing a black t-shirt that has Shawn Michaels' face on it, which of course is a worst type of wrestling t-shirt you can buy. And upon further investigation uh, based on this man's uh, perhaps dyed blonde hair and, and dark root undertones... Uh, this just might possibly be fucking Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, whatever you want to fucking call him. And uh, when you add to the fact that John Moxley or Dean Ambrose lives in Cincinnati and Indianapolis is only a 79-mile commute, as I've done it many times, I like the fake brand synergy here. Now, the other fan, a rather large individual, that may or may not actually be Phineas Godwin in disguise uh, because they're wearing a red T-shirt and Phineas Godwin... Well, the real Phineas Godwin does have a facial hair configuration, much like the fan at ringside. However, the shirt that the fan is wearing at ringside with a facial hair configuration that resembles Phineas Godwin, the shirt they're wearing is rather tight. And notwithstanding, the individual in the red shirt is also 
rather bulbous in the chestal region, which somewhat creates the illusion of femininity. Jaw jacking continues, and we actually see the microphone being changed. JR's being a Karen about the whole thing, like, well, good, you stage the microphone. That's what you do here. I mean, I just want a microphone that works. How hard's that? I mean, I mean, does somebody need to do your job for you? I need to find someone to work your job. I bet you ain't even a legal citizen, huh? You got any papers? You know, I'm calling the police, changing my microphone. Goddamn undocumented illegal immigrants, son. Jim, actually, I don't think Jim Ross would be that mean. But the, he's kind of a Karen before a Karen. Stone Cold Steve Austin goes back to, back in after verbally assaulting Dean Ambrose and Phineas Godwin with boobs. But Hunter Hearst wants to play, and he goes outside to yell at the fans. Hunter Hearst Helmsley on the outside, and now, what is this? Wow, look at her! Certainly not the beauty that he usually brings to ringside. Uh, uh, I, uh, actually, uh, all right, King, I don't think that's necessarily a her. What? The king actually does go, what? No, no, I don't think so. Ha, 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 typical Hoosier, McMahon. Uh, okay, I think this is going to work. You, you sure that's not a her, McMahon? Is anyone paying a damn bit of attention to me? Ah, I can't work in these conditions. All right, now I'm drag take out. Snuckle Steve Austin is starting himself. And, oh, a bit of a hand gesture there. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Snuckle the, did flip the bird, but that whole thing happens. That, that was a real-time commentary event. And it was more important than what was happening in the ring. Don't worry. Still working on the microphone. Uh, Mr. Ross, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you just fine, unfortunately. I'm... This is getting a little old. I'm telling you. Headlock takedown by Austin. One, two, no. Uh, Hunter Hurst is out of there now. And a standing switch reversal again. Out of nowhere, we, we go back to commentary. You know, uh, everyone's excited about Bret Hart coming back to Raw tomorrow. I know I am. And I'm very happy that I could say to the fans that I'm responsible for Bret Hart being on Raw tomorrow night live. I beg your pardon? <laughs> you know, I'm just a conspiracy! The camera's back on the ringside technician. Uh, I don't know where you came from, but this thing ain't working! We get a Mr. Perfect chant from Indianapolis as both heels just kind of stand around. Uh, well, they're not Mr. Perfect tomorrow night. No, what the fuck did he say? Uh, oh, he's, uh, he's like, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Triple H, go take on Mr. Well, indeed, Mr. Perfect returning to the ring to take on Hunter Hearst Helmsley tomorrow night on Raw, I believe was what you were trying to say. Actually, that was really good. Like, if they are doing this on purpose and cutting, like, I'm just saying, like, that's, you know, JR hyping the match and he can't get all the words in and then Vince takes over to hype. I'm just saying, if you, if, and I'm not saying it's a good idea to do this whole thing, but if you are, that's a good one to have Vince steal. Like, it fits the storyline quite well. The match breaks down into slaps and Stone Cold Steve Austin has the advantage and Hunter Hurst begs off to the outside. King then proclaims, again out of nowhere, that if Hunter Hearst beats Stone Cold Steve Austin tonight and Mr. Perfect tomorrow night. He will certainly be the number one contender for the WWF title. And Vince McMahon just agrees out of nowhere, which surprised me. Getting a bit of ahead of ourselves here with the Hunter Hearst character. But nonetheless, a headlock now by Hunter Hearst. Shoulder block. But oh my, Stone Cold counters with a vicious clothesline from Victoria Tejas. Austin is in control now, and he's definitely... Definitely the crowd favorite as they really start to cheer for him. Austin, though, is a pro and knows he's supposed to be the heel. So he locks in. Arm 
by Stone Cold Steve Austin now to, to, to kill the crowd, but in a good way. Now, JR starts to, or continues to speak, and uh, this is when we first start to notice uh, his microphone is experiencing a new version of Troubles. Not so much dipping out, which I gotta tell you was really annoying, but now, well, let me just uh, let you know how it sounded. You know, I've got a good rapport with my big guys, and I'll tell you something now, I'm very pumped up about this opportunity here. Is this, I'll run it, you know, that's it. Oh, well, we can hear you just fine. I want to hear myself! I like to hear myself! Well, I'm not so surprised at that. In any event, Hunter Hearst Helmsley now. Well, that's a wrist lock, McMahon, by the way. Yes, I noticed. And now that happens to be a Greco-Roman knuckle lock. Hunter Hearst pokes the eye of Stoko Steve Austin. All right, and what was that? What is the technical name for that? Well, you're going to have to ask Mo or Curly all about that one. Ha-ha! Split screen now to put over what's really important here as we see the match on one side and commentary on the other. And, you know, I guess I kind of get that. But uh, earlier, if you couldn't tell, Jim Ross's uh, mic is now doing like a radio thing where he sounds like he's underwater. Because I'm holding my nose to, to, to simulate that and I hope it comes through. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering here if this would have happened in the Austin-Vega match, if that would have taken place. I mean, not like that's an important match, but I'm wondering if, because it's heel versus heel, they decided to accentuate the announcer stuff more. I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious is all. I don't really fucking know. And you'd ask Bruce Pritchard about this, and be like, I don't even remember that happening, Conrad. Now, one thing I do like about the split screen is we get to watch the Concrete Man in action. It's awe-inspiring, the way that he moves and gyrates as he talks. The way his glasses stay in place, even though they look as if any moment they could slide right off of his nose. Another big clothesline from Tejas, and we get to see Vince McMahon say, Forget about it, on camera. One, two, no. Jim Ross continues to have issues, and he claims that Vince McMahon just might have a button that he's pressing next to his uh, chair to, to fuck with JR's microphone. You're having fun at my expense! Well, I am enjoying myself, as a matter of fact. Vince mentions that uh, Hunter Hearst is from Greenwich, Connecticut. JR rages about Connecticut, as he's known to do. Uh, you know, a lot of rich, arrogant people live in Greenwich. Where are you from, Vince? Ha-ha! From Connecticut. Well, there you go. Uh, where do you live, uh, JR? Oh, I live, uh, well, uh, part of time in Connecticut, not over Prosh Hellhole. Uh, then when I get out of here, then I get out of there and I go back to Oklahoma, where I belong. <laughs> I see. Hunter Hearst uses the knee, shocker. Hunter Hearst is in control now in the corner. Uh, with very uncouth fists and feet, fighting like some sort of a barman. Stone Cold reverses the fists and feet of Hunter Hearst and delivers his own fist of fire and fury to a pop. Irish whip by Stone Cold, it's reversed, and Austin in the buckle, and he's definitely your face in peril. More microphone problems. Hunter Hearst has Austin down. He delivers a knee drop. One, two, no. Jim Ross now pleads for a microphone fix so he can just do his goddamn job. Well, we've already done the spare and we're working on it. Nothing wrong with your microphone. This morning on WWF Superstars, Mr. Ross, you know, I happen to hear a little bit of that commentary. Oh, good. Should learn anything about holds or maybe how to call a match? Uh, he's back in radio mode now, so... Oh, good. Should learn anything about holds or how to call a match? Back in the ring, there is wrestling happening, headlocked by Hunter Hurst. You know, it sounds like I'm talking through a can with strings tied to each end. Austin fires up. No, it's a sleeper. No, the sleeper's reversed into another sleeper. Reversed into a sleeper. And a jawbreaker counter by Stone Cold. He covers one, two, no. 
Austin delivers a stun gun to Hunter Hearst, shades of his days in the Dangerous Alliance. One, two, no. He covers again. One, two, no. Another knee-based offensive maneuver from... Go on, guess. Yes, it was Hunter Hearst. Hunter Hearst climbs the middle rope and does a fist drop. One, two, no. Hey, Ross, that ever got on your nerves? How McMahon always says, one, two, he got... No. Huh? Oh, well, he did almost get him. Oh, you mean being repetitive and uncreative. Double clothesline from Hunter Hearst to Stone Cold and from Stone Cold to Hunter Hearst. Shades of the 1990 Rumble where Hogan and Warrior did the same. Here comes Mr. Perfect. He's wearing that ugly blue suit that he has. Uh, Mr. Perfect goes over and talks to Hunter Hearst's lady and they embrace a little bit. Oh, hell, those two might be going steady before the night's over. It's just like that he said, God steady. Like, what year is it, Jim Ross? Hunter Hearst is furious. He goes outside. Austin follows. Beats on Hunter Hearst. Tosses him inside. Austin gets in Mr. Perfect's face. Oh, I like this. Uh, Austin audibly says, The fuck are you doing here? Austin heads back inside. Gets pulled down off the apron by Mr. Perfect. Austin backs off like, Oh, okay, Mr. Perfect. I'll see what's going on here. You know, I'm trying to wrestle a match against Hunter Hearst. I'll leave you be. You leave you me. But Mr. Perfect turns around and Austin gets a cup of water from the announce table and throws it in Perfect's face. Perfect takes off his jacket, but gets close or excuse me, but Austin gets clotheslined from behind. Hunter Hearst helms it with a massive beatdown. It's almost as if Mr. Perfect was here to set up Stone Cold and help Triple H. Hmm. Inside the ring, uh, Hunter Hearst hits a little gut kick, sets Austin up for the pedigree, but no, he sees Mr. Perfect in the aisle, and he goes to the aisle. Austin follows. It turns into a brawl on the outside between Hunter Hearst and Stone Cold. Uh, somebody gets suplayed on the floor. No, it's countered. Uh, and as the person is suplexed on the floor, <laughs> McMahon yells, The concrete! It just made me laugh. Ah, both men are down. Referee Tim White's trying to get everybody inside. Hunter Hurst goes for the pedigree on the outside of the ring, but it's countered, and Austin slingshots uh, Triple H into the post. Uh, both men are almost counted out, but they get back inside the ring. Uh, Austin has Triple H on the ropes, and he does that jumping leg rope assault move that needs a name. Uh, but Hunter Hurst moves. Austin catches himself, throws the double bird at Triple H. Kick, wham. Nope, just stunner. No little gut kick quite yet. One, two, he got him! So Stone Cold pins Hunter Hurst. And you know, I totally remember this match as being like a double countout or a double DQ or something. You know, but this is fine. Vince didn't yell in your house at all. Uh, the shenanigans on commentary were fine for most of the time. It's a good match. I'm honest with you. Like, it's fun. Um, just kind of weird, you know? Heel versus heel opener and... Uh, it's a replacement, which always kind of felt weird, but not having Triple H on the card was a bad call to begin with since you want to hype the perfect match, and this allows you to do that. Uh, sure, he took a clean loss, but Mr. Perfect kind of interfered, and Austin is way on the way up, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's like uh, Rock, and, uh, Rock beating Austin, or excuse me, Rock beating Hunter Hearst, uh, you know, when they're icy level. Like, somebody, like you're both on the way up, but somebody's got to go up right now, and it's just Austin's turn. Uh, yeah, it's time for the next match. Uh, Vince lets us know that uh, we're going to take a look at the history of the tag team title encounter. And we do see a video uh, narrated by Todd Pettengale. Uh, the video is mostly about Sonny, the smoking guns, Billy's love for Sonny, the guns losing the title at Mind Games, and Sonny firing the guns. But the smoking guns want the titles back. Bart for the gold, and Billy 
for the girl. Yes, truly some riveting, captivating shit here. Uh, meanwhile, I believe Doc Hendricks is in the back with the smoking guns. Doc, take it away! Now, there's really nothing funny here in this interview. Billy keeps saying, I'm gonna win the tag team titles. Ah, ah, ah. And Bart's like, uh, it's us. All right, Doc, let's get it on! Because the Smoking Guns music starts, Vince just produced it from ringside. Well, this is clearly going nowhere. Let's fucking get this match going. And here comes the Smoking Guns. Jim Ross, still experiencing faulty microphone shenanigans. He's talking about Sonny. He's like, I think Sonny's the most overrated in the history wrestling federation. As much as I enjoy the microphone-based shenanigans, I am getting a little tired of having to recap matches with concurrent ringside-based angles at the same time. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize. Yeah, we sure do. Ross then claims that Vince doesn't want him out there at all. Nonetheless, here come the tag team title holders! With their new manager, of course, Clarence Mason, crossing T's and dotting lowercase j's, uh, attain the rights to the... Brothers and Laws of Destruction at uh, Mind Games. Of course, the British Bulldog and the Slammy Award winning, My Brother Own. And if you think I was being silly when I yelled, the tag team title holders, well, of course, uh, Clarence Mason maneuvered Jim Cornette out of the management managership, if you would, of the tag team title holders. He fucking said it. You know, Clarence Mason is so smart, he didn't even finish law school. What? Yeah, that's right. He said a lot of class! Ha-ha! Great camera shot of Jim Ross looking indignant at a glasses-wearing Vince McMahon. This is funny. The bell rings, so here we go. Question for the listening audience. Is this the only premium live event that has two heel versus heel matches? Maybe. Maybe not. Is this the only premium live event to feature two heel versus heel matches back-to-back? The world may never know. Speaking of things that may or may not be records, is this the longest we've gone without Vince saying, in your house? He hasn't even yelled, buried alive, or been like, well, uh, great maneuver there by uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley on a night where someone, yes, will indeed be buried alive. Like, he hasn't even, he hasn't even used it as a transition to cover a boring spot. What the fuck is happening? I don't know. Billy Gunn and my brother Owen start the match up. Uh, Vince puts over Brett coming back on commentary. JR's like, yeah, that's right. And you know, I'm going to be having dinner with Bret Hart tonight. You're going to be having dinner with Bret Hart here in Indianapolis? I didn't say I was going to be having dinner with Bret Hart in Indianapolis. So you're saying you might be having dinner in, Indiana- in a place of a non-location but that's uh, Indianapolis with one Bret the Hitman Hart? Well, I never said it wasn't going to be. You know, the impressions are running together. Fuck it. Early pins by Billy and Owen. More microphone problems. Right as Vince asks JR a question, JR's like, Are you asking me questions? So you continue to make a fool out of me? I don't know, actually. Uh, what do you think, King? I think God beat us to it. <laughs> JR's then all like, I want my microphone to work. It always works. Oh, and Hart got a haircut. I thought I'd throw that in. That was astute observation there, JR. <laughs> that one was actually kind of funny, because he, he, you hear him kind of like the underwater. He's like, I want it to work. Oh, and Hart got a haircut. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Like, that one, I, lo- I just get tired of this. Billy and Owen trade moves. Uh, they do, like, counter-chain wrestling. And I was really engaged because I was writing a note at the time 
And I was like, oh, whatever's happening in the ring must be exciting because Vince's cadence, I mean, it was it was stunning. I rewound it so I could write Vince's words down verbatim, and the wrestling was really not that stunning, but nonetheless, here we go. This is what a chain wrestling sequence sounds like from a 1996 concrete man. Over the hip! Nice takedown. Nice head scissor. Kick out again by Billy Gunn. Both men right back up. Not for long. Over the hip! No. Wait a minute. And this time, look at this. Oh, and Hart gets up and over. Oh, what a clothesline! JR still sounds like he's underwater. Billy Gunn goes up to the top rope, but eats a big fist to the bread basket. Nice double team maneuver, takedown, dropkick style thing by the Not Yet Heart Foundation. Jim Ross try- says, I guess that Sonny looks like, it's. I think it's Will Rogers, because I know who that is. Maybe Bill Rogers, I don't know. <laughs> but, and it must be Bill, because, uh, well, uh, Vince is like, uh, Bill Rogers, uh, he's no longer with us. So he's lamenting. And then he's like, uh, Bill Rogers, no longer with us. Will Rogers, uh, still very much alive. As is, Trigger. Trigger, of course, paid Will Rogers' horse. Oh, yeah, Trigger. That's real good. Let me get famous horses for 200, Alex. JR mocking. Is, is JR pissed that he's the only one that's supposed to know about famous cowboy-based horses? Bark gun, cheap shots, the British Bulldog. Billy tags back in. Hey, Sonny's watching backstage on a tiny TV. JR's all like, well, you know, uh, she missed too many trips to the woodshed. What do you mean? The woodshed? What's in the woodshed? (laughs) What? Go ahead, JR. Tell me what's in the woodshed. I dare you. Not quite in your house, but at this point, I'm taking it in the woodshed. JR, welcome to... JR, aren't you going to invite me in your woodshed? I came all the way down to Oklahoma to visit you and take a look at some shed-based activities of a, of a wood nature and, well, open the door. Uh, oh, damn it. Vince then yells, this just made me laugh, the bulldog on a collision course and the bulldog will bowl anyone over. Because I get bullied someone over, but it's it's like if he was like, Austin on a collision course and Austin Will Ost anyone over? <laughs> Bart misses a top rope flying press. Uh, Vince and JR argue about whether or not Bart should make a tag. Owens tagged in and works over Bart. Bulldog's tagged in. Sonny's watching some more. JR's like, what's Sonny wearing? A nightgown? She's going to catch her death of a cold dressed like that. It's chilly outside. The crowd is asleep. JR then accuses Vince of having previously set up code words. And when Vince says these words, the World Wrestling Federation production staff will cut JR's microphone. Uh, fun moment here. Billy Gunn's in the corner, and the Bulldog is in his corner. They're both not the legal man. The British Bulldog wanders over to the edge of the turnbuckle closest to Billy and starts flexing. This lures Billy out of the corner to the middle of the ring apron, and Bart gets whipped into Billy, and Billy goes flying. Bulldog's all like, oh, that's a kind of ruse. Owen rolls up Bart. One, two, no. Billy cheap shots my brother Owen, and the smoking guns are in control. Billy becomes legal. A double team side rushing leg sweep. One, two, and kick out. Billy then does like a jumping leg drop, but... 
turns it into an elbow? I mean, look, it's dumb, but it's pretty fucking athletically impressive, I, I must say. Some Dolph Ziggler-style athleticism from the Billster, in fitting, as both men had similar careers. Uh, despite this Ziggler-based athleticism, this match still definitely blows. There are lots of quick tags by the Smoking Guns until the Smoking Guns hit, and I quote, A patented Smoking Gun Maneuver! They then set up the Sidewinder, center ring on Owen Hart. Billy, of course, going to dive off and do the leg drop. Now, the British Bulldog is in the ring, hiding behind Bart Gunn. Okay, like he's crouched down, like, Oh, you don't see me. I'm a ninja. Clarence Mason, change my name to a British Bulldog Ninja Man. Billy leaps for the Sidewinder. The British Bulldog pulls Bart Gunn down by the belt. So, Owen ends up taking the sidewalk slam portion of the Sidewinder, but not the leg drop. It's very poorly executed. Owen hits a spinning heel kick. One, two, three, and thank God this match is over. Backstage, Sonny applauds Bulldog and Owen, which is a unique new wrinkle to this uh, scenario. JR on the call with the replay. He took too much time on a Sidewinder. Bart is clearly frustrated with Billy. Vince wonders as the smoking guns walk towards the back alone and sad. Will the smoking guns ever become the tag team champions again? And you know what? They won't! (laughs) Steady by! Ray Rougeau on the superstar line! And we see Ray Rougeau on the superstar line with Hunter Hearst. Now... Hunter Hurst is talking into the red phone, as one does on the Superstar line, but you can help, you can hear Mr. Perfect yelling, like, right next to him. And it's like, come on, guys. Th- kayfabe. It's a thing. Uh, Vince, this is really weird, and thank God it's the end, mostly. Well, of the first act of the rolling guess of commentators. Um, Vince is like, JR, guess what? Good news, there was never anything wrong with your microphone, and we fixed it. And that doesn't make any sense. Good news, there was never anything wrong, and we fixed it. Because those, those two things don't seem to go together. JR bolts from the table. Angry. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Earlier on, we did learn we had a problem with Farouk, whom had a problem with an individual named Ahmed Judson. Before Vince can speak further, though, we hear Jim Ross's voice. He's in the ring with the house mic. He's uh, trying to gain sympathy, being like, I'm just trying to do my job, but Vince McMahon keeps turning my microphone off. I'm not going to bore you with the story of what Vince McMahon did to me, but I want to make you all a guarantee that Bret Hart will be live in Fort Wayne on Monday Night Raw. Vince is all like, he's taking the credit? Who went to South Africa to talk to Bret, huh? You went to South Africa, JR. Jim Ross promises that Bret Hart's going to bring a shovel with him to Raw because he's going to bury some people, maybe Vince and maybe the WWF champion. And McMahon, since you talk out of both sides of your mouth, take this microphone. I'm out of here. JR tosses the mic at Vince from the ring. Vince catches it. We cut to Vince right as he catches it, and Vince has a massive shit-eating grin based on this successful catch, and he says, Good catch, Vince. He talks to himself, ladies and gentlemen. Just like me. And that is a wrap on Jim Ross at the commentary table. Hopefully, hopefully Vince will now be free to randomly yell in your house. We'll see. Vince looks forward to Bret Hart's return on Raw, but back to the man they call Farouk. 
Seriously, he says, all right, now back to the man they call Farouk. What is this man they call stuff? Farouk, of course, is still a gladiator. Sonny's gone. That relationship is over. Uh, we see uh, Farouk earlier on the Free For All talking to Kevin Kelly, I think. We see Ahmed Johnson talking to Kevin Kelly as well. And then we see later on in the Free For All, a cameraman is running. He runs into a locker room. We see Farouk Assad, the modern-day gladiator, down on the ground like, Oh, please, no. Please, no. Ahmed Johnson is standing over him with a 2x4. Lots of World Wrestling Federation officials are yelling. And I gotta be honest with you, there's nothing I hate more than arriving late. Like, I hate scenes that are set up where it's like, Oh, just about two seconds earlier, there was a a battle, a confrontation for the ages. It looks like Farouk is injured. I hate when they do shit like that. Or when you find someone backstage. I just, I can't, I can't. Uh, great, great worthy moment from this, though. At one point, Farouk's laid on the ground, and he makes a groan that's like, Ugh. It's pretty funny. Wait a minute, what's this music? <laughs> it's Mr. Perfect. Perfect comes down the aisle and talks to Jim Ross. They shake hands, and God damn it, Mr. Perfect is coming down to do commentary. You know, when there's an extra person, Vince just doesn't get the time. Plus, Perfect's out here to shill storyline stuff. When will we get in your house? Nonetheless, the lights go down, and here comes a most bizarre challenger. Oh, my goodness. You want to talk bizarre? No, I'm good, Vince. We've been talking bizarre for a while here. Perfect's like, I wonder if my microphone's going to work, Vince McMahon. He threatens uh, Vince McMahon, like, You'll stop my microphone from working. I'll take your microphone, McMahon. Backstage, the wild man, Mark Merrow and Sable, uh, with a white strap intercontinental championship, are here to, I guess, talk to us. The king's like, hey, wild man, are you scared of gold dust? Merrow starts saying he's not, and during his rant, he says, king, I am the world, I am, I, I am the intercontinental champion of the world, and I'm beating gold dust. The intercontinental champion of the world. I feel like those geography-based terms don't really go well together. But what do I know? Uh, King mentions that Marrow has never defeated Goldust. What else can be said now except Here they come, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the Wild Man. I really thought he was going to say the WWF's one, two, punch! Mr. Perfect uh, defends the wild man Mark Marrow and threatens King. I forgot that Mr. Perfect and the wild man Mark Marrow are buddies at this point in time. Goldust approaches Mr. Perfect at ringside, and Perfect's like, You better get away from me, you most bizarre individual. Mark Marrow enters the ring. His pyro is ignited, and here we go! All right! Wild man Mark Marrow! Yeah! He's flashy, no doubt. About that. Very colorful. And this man takes unbelievable high risk. A sable looks on at our champion. Literally. God damn it! Usually when the baby faces enter the ring and celebrate to their pyrotechnics, Vince finds an excuse to be like, Yeah! You want to talk about wild! Things are getting wild in the jungle! In your house! But no, not here. Sable enters the ring, and Vince is like, She is ever-present, 
always. Again, that those two things sort. The bell rings, and here we go. Mr. Perfect goes on a verbal tirade, saying ass three times. He's like, you know what, Stone Cold? Matt tried to mess with my ass, but Stone Cold, I'm going to whip your ass. And Stone Cold, if you're Triple H, you're going to get your ass whipped on Monday Night Raw. Marrow, meanwhile, violently pushes Gold Dust down, and Vince lets us uh, know why. I'm uh, taking an exception to some of the histrionics of Gold Dust. Wild man Mark Marrow. Gold Dust is in control with vicious strikes. We get a split screen so we can watch Mr. Perfect talk. Again, like, nothing on this show matters except... It's like this show was designed for me because all the WWF wants to present is commentary-based shenanigans, but for some reason, I just don't want it. Like, I would talk about it, but it's like they're... It's like I have to talk about everything because all the commentary is important, and how am I supposed to cover the matches? Ah! Perfect says Goldust is bizarre, but he's a great athlete, just like Razor and Diesel. So Perfect is clearly on Team JR. Wildman Mark Marrow hits a drop toe hold and an arm bar, and he's now in control. Uh, hey, the King mentions he just saw the movie The Long Kiss Goodnight, which I believe is a Rennie Harlan joint, if anybody cares. The Wildman Mark Marrow with a shitty arm drag and locks Goldust in another arm bar. Now, because this match is so interesting, talk turns to our ringside valets. Or valet, as as non-Samuel Jackson folks would say. Hey, that's that young valet. You know, ever seen Kingsman, the Secret Service? Uh, Vince calls Sable, the classier of the two, I believe. If you ever have an opportunity to say hello to Sable, please take advantage of it. She is really a great lady. I can't do that. I'm not able to talk and gag at the same time. Ha-ha! All right, stop that. So I'm sure Rita Marrow at the time is... Just super excited that her boss is here on, well, national premium live event television. Just telling people to go up and talk to Sable if they wish to do so. Go ahead, I own her. Gold Dust still in control now, but both men read a vertical base. Gold Dust unloads chops and punches. Well, of course, uh, Vince lets us know. Well, Mark Marrow trained for Farouk, of course, so it, it, it's a, you know assumed that he would be at a disadvantage in this contest. How does one adjust their training from a modern-day gladiator to a most bizarre one, I want to know. I mean, seriously, that's something I've never understood in, like, professional wrestling psychology. I guess it would... Okay, I'm going to use an extreme example. Let's say uh, the Ultimo Dragon is set to defend the J-Crown Cup against Rey Mysterio Jr. And then... The day of the contest, it's announced that Ray Mysterio Jr. is out with an injury. And while the J-Crown Cup will not be defended because of the injury, the Ultimo Dragon will still appear to take on the Giant. I can see the training being different for those two. But I don't know. They just don't go. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, uh, you know, with more movie references, indicates that Sable... Uh, may have gotten lip injections. Shades of Goldie Hawn from the first Wives Club. 1996. Not a great year for cinema. Uh, Goldust does some more histrionics. Marrow gets angry and fires up with a double leg takedown and mounted punches. Marrow, obviously, taking exception to the histrionics. Marrow hits a shitty head scissors on Goldust. It's at about uh, 34% effectiveness by my uh, calculations. The wild man, Mark Marrow, hits Goldust with a clothesline from the jungle that sends Goldust to the outside. Marrow then does his running flip leg assault plancha and lands on his own left leg and he starts to limp. 
tosses Goldust back inside, hits his over-the-top flipping leg drop for the cover. One, two, no. The double feature does show Mero with a really nasty landing on his own left leg. The fucking moron. He goes up for the Mero salt, but no! Goldust counters with a spine buster off the top rope. Pretty cool. Uh, wonderful, wonderful flub here that goes along with my uh, conversational piece about training for different individuals. Mr. Perfect is on commentary, and he's getting worried. And he's like, you know, I, I talked about this match with Mark Merrill all afternoon. We talked about strategies for this match all afternoon. McMahon springs into action to accomplish two goals. One, preserve the art of kayfabe, but also to simultaneously put Mr. Perfect in his place. I don't suppose you would care to give us a little strategy that you shared, although early this afternoon, certainly, the strategy was with Farouk, not for gold dust. Mero's tossed to the outside. Perfect says nothing for like a minute straight. He, he's, he's, he knows he fucked up. Uh, Mero tosses, or God, Goldust tosses Mero into the steps. Then we're back inside. Goldust hits a vicious clothesline from Hollywood. Covers one, two, no. Another chin lock by Goldust, but the odd man, Mark Merrow, fights out, but gets put back down with a kitchen sink knee driver. The talk is all about Hunter Hearst taking on Mr. Perfect, and the chin lock returns. Mr. Perfect starts to talk again and says, You know, I'm, I'm going to take down Hunter Hearst Helmsley on Raw, and then I'm going after Austin. You know, he ruined a new suit and a new tie by tossing that soda on me. Vince, again, has it in for a Mr. Perfect. Well, I thought we'd seen that blue suit before. I guess not. Boy, if we had some difficulties out here directing attention to the action in the ring. Because the action in the ring has been shit. Okay, the first match was fun. But it, it, it's mainly because of the... Oh, forget it. We talked about the first match. Mero hits a flying body press. And then Goldust hits a devastating clothesline from Hollywood yet again. <laughs> Upon this clothesline, Vince says, Forget about it! And... I haven't really mentioned it, but that's the third time someone's hit a clothesline and he said, forget about it, in this match. Goldust hits the mic, grabs the microphone from the Fink. Shut the hell up. I don't have a Goldust impression. You want to celebrate now? Because he doesn't do Goldust character. He says he's going to, you know, come out and stick tongues down our throat. King's like, hey, that's a long kiss good I was talking about. Marrow's up and hits a teardrop souffle. Shades of a pre, uh... Or shades of a sherry of a sensational nature era, Shawn Michaels. Uh, we get some don't ask, don't tell jokes that I'm not going to repeat. There's a lot of them. Mero goes up top, hits the Mero salt. One, two, no. Even though I just yelled one, two, no. Vince has a different call for the Mero salt. He goes, yes, give it to no. Curtain call coming up, but it's countered. And Mero hits his King of the Ring leg flipping pin move thing. One, two, no. Wildman Mark Mero is dumped outside near Dean Ambrose and Phineas Godwin, the fans from earlier. Look at that woman in the red at ringside. She's trying to help Mero. That's not a woman. Uh, although the Phineas Godwin fan is hilariously doing the gold dust rub and exhale to gold dust like the... <sighs> Mr. Perfect takes off his headset and goes to talk to the wild man, but here comes Hunter Hearst. Hunter Hearst and uh, Perfect face off. The referee leaves the ring to keep him separated. And oh my god, ladies and gentlemen! Anarchy is happening at ringside, and finally, finally, kind of, the drought is over. Here we go! 
Anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation! And it's gonna happen right now! I'm buried alive in your house! But it's kind of the proper context, because it's the title of the show, and he says that's where it's going to happen. Goldust sneaks up on Mr. Perfect, but he eats a right hand. Mr. Perfect chases Hunter Hearst to the entrance. Back inside the ring, Marrow hits a Samoan drop, goes up top for the wild thing. One, two, three. Thank fucking God. Perfect gets back in the ring and celebrates with Marrow and Sable. Uh, Vince claims, upon the double feature of the Marrow Salt, or the uh, fucking wild thing, that we only see that type of athleticism in the WWF, not at all in the cruiserweight division of WCW. Yay! Here's a fun little cutaway. We're in the America Online chat room. And guess who's chatting with America Online? Oh, there's JR backstage with a razor. Diesel, America Online, folks, in your house, who's going to be buried alive? Find out, America Online, live in cyberspace! Wow, the drought is officially over. Okay, there's JR, backstage with Razor and Diesel, America Online, folks, in your house! Yes, 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 yes! He's gotten in two pretty quick here, folks. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, with the third person in the booth tonight, it's been all about commentary-based storylines. Now that there's just two, he's finally in position to yell, In your house! Although we only have two matches left to go. Vince promotes, The Battle of the Power Bombs is just moments away. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to spoil anything here, but we have got to talk about the, the Power Bomb. All right? Because the next encounter is the number one contenders match between Vader and Psycho Sid. Now, in 1993, while they were both in WCW, uh, Vader and Sid Vicious formed a short-lived team known as the Masters of the Power Bomb, who were going to explode at Starcade, but stab, 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 stab. Uh, They took on the WCW Superpowers, Sting and the British Bulldog at uh, Beach Blast 93. Uh, But, you know, it's important that they're the Masters of the Power Bomb, because this match is all about the powerbomb. The hype video is literally nothing but talking about the powerbomb and visual imagery of the powerbomb, okay? Kevin Kelly in the video tells us that Sid has the height advantage for his powerbomb, but Vader has the power advantage for his powerbomb, so powerbomb, 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 powerbomb. Up next, number one contenders, masters of the powerbomb match. In this video, HBK talks about taking the powerbomb from both men, and they both knocked him unconscious. So, the powerbomb is clearly important here. How important is the powerbomb to this match narrative? Well, I did a little bit of math. The video package is 1 minute and 29 seconds long. So, 89 seconds. The word powerbomb is said 15 times during this 89 seconds. And there are 19 powerbombs shown visually in this 89 seconds. So, if you do a little math, that's 34 pieces of power bomb propaganda in this 89-second video. So, according to my math, if you watch the hype video for this match, you will encounter a piece of power bomb propaganda on average of every 1.8 seconds. So I'm going to go out on a limb and hypothesize that the powerbomb is going to be a big part of this match. Right?
Well, let's find out, shall we? We're back in the arena and stay out of the showers, because here comes a psycho. Psycho, say it, that is. A pretty good pop for the man who uh, rules the world. There's a really nice PlayStation banner on the security railing that I just noticed as soon as enters entering. That's kind of cool. Like, I don't remember seeing stuff like that. Like, I don't know. If you if you rewatch the stuff, look for it. It's interesting. All right, here we go. The Battle of the Power Bombs, indeed. <laughs> indeed, Vince. Look at that reaction. It's true. It builds as Sid enters the ring. Sid, likely to feed off that positive reinforcement. He's going to need everything he could possibly muster up to square off against the Mastodon. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about... Yes, it's time! And he has his fans as well! Vince says, yes, it's time! Because it's been a tap, tap, tap starts playing. But it's weird that he throws it and he has his fans as well! Because, I mean, sure, he does, like hardcore fans, but not like WWF fans. Nonetheless, here comes the man they call Vader, accompanied as always by Jim Cornette. Vader enters, and we get a nice wide shot of the entire arena, which could mean only one thing. It's happening! Oh, yeah! Huge crowd on hand! Live, ladies and gentlemen, in your house! Oh, yeah. Both men are in the ring and ready to do battle. But the bell is not ringing. Wait a minute. What's this? Chunka chunka. Oh, oh, shot. What? Here it comes. The heartbreak kid is here in a suit, ready to do some commentary. Oh, that's another distraction for Vince. That's kind of a bummer. The most charismatic World Wrestling Federation Champion of all times! In the squared circle! There you go! Yes, he does say of all times. Uh, the Heartbreak Kid gives Vader a big thumbs down and motions that Sid's got a powerbomb you, Jack. Sean J then steals Jim Cornette's pocket scarf and comically blows his nose into it. Vader's like, oh, I've had enough of this, Heartbreak Kid. He goes to clothesline the Heartbreak, but the Heartbreak ducks. The clothesline hits Sid, but has no effect. The bell rings, so here we go. Sid counters back with a big clothesline from West Memphis. A huge leg drop. One, two. No, that could have been it right there. So, Shawn Michaels does indeed join us on commentary, folks. And at first, I was like, Jesus. Like, I don't get me wrong. I was like, this could be fun. But I was like, another person out here to distract Vince. More bullshit storyline stuff I have to track on commentary and in the ring. It's like the theme of this pay-per-view. But ladies and gentlemen, I was in for a very pleasant surprise, and it starts right away. Oh, great. We had Mr. Perfect out here. It's gone from bad to worse. Ha-ha. <laughs> you got me, Kingfish, the man. Oh, my God, he called him Kingfish. Long-time listeners know why that excites me. Sid... Hits mounted punches to get all the way up to five, but Sid can't really count higher, so he stops. Sid goes for a body slam, but it's blocked, and Vader thumbs the eye of the master and ruler of the world. Now, things really start cooking with the heartbreak kid. Ah, I knew you was so, oh, wouldn't, allow, so, wouldn't allow me to enjoy my one day off, McMahon. I'm sorry, what? I knew you wouldn't, wouldn't allow me to join my day off, McMahon. What, what is going on? Well, 
We cut to split screen with the match on the left and the Heartbreak Kid on the right. And I'm looking a little bit closer. And it looks like the Heartbreak Kid might be, allegedly, having himself quite a Sunday here in Indianapolis. Uh, objection, Your Honor. Where is the proof to these alleged allegations of having themselves a Sunday? I, I'm glad you asked, Prosecutor Defense. I guess I'd be the prosecutor in this scenario. Uh, Your Honor, uh, we'd like to enter into evidence Exhibit HBK. All right, we'll allow this. Thank you, Your Honor. So, the Heartbreak Kid now says... You're looking at two monsters here in the World Wrestling Federation. And look at me, I get one of them. There's one guy in the WWF. I wouldn't want to be me. Well, it's me. I can't even talk. I'm scared. Oh, yeah. He's under the influence. Vader hits a big clothesline and Vince yells, Forget about it. Again. Hey, Sean, any chance of getting a haircut in the future? Well, what do you think I got this mop out for? Uh, Vader then hits an avalanche on Sid in the corner, and Vince yells, Forget about it! Again? Sid rolls outside for respite. HBK is encouraging Sid at ringside. He's like, Come on, big man, get up! Hey, Sean Michaels, you don't want to fight Vader or Sid! You gotta, you gotta fear big men! Fear phobia! Jim Cornette hits a racket to Sid's back. Hey, Shawn Michaels, don't you get up and interfere. You behave like an announcer. I'm not an announcer. Like, seriously, Shawn Michaels says, I'm not an announcer. But they all roll together, those being the words, and it sounds like it took so much effort for Shawn to force these words out. I'm not an announcer. Vader enters the ring and waits patiently for Sid to get up. Sid does get in at the count of nine. Vader has Sid on the apron, and Vader hits his patented eh, 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 punches. Sid hammers back, leaps over Vader, and does a sunset flip pin over the top rope. But Vader sits down and squashes the Sidster. Hey, look at that! Now Sid's got a pirate's dream! A what? The pirate's dream! A sucker chest! Ha-ha! Well, see a man move that size that wild, Jack. Oh, Sean, thank you for rescuing me from this pay-per-view. A short clothesline by Vader, who's very much in control, and he puts in a headlock. Sid counters with a side suplex teardrop style. That's what I get paid to do. Well, kind of true. At one point, Shawn Michaels was getting paid to do the teardrop suplex. So, Your Honor, we've got to allow it. Both men in the ring are down. Jim Cornette starts pounding on the mat, which accidentally starts a Psycho Sid, Psycho Sid chant. He should really stop banging on the... It, it always seems to encourage his uh, his charge's opponent when he stomps on the mat three times. I'll tell you, no one in the WWF can hang with Sid. Not even you? Oh, God, Kingfish, I'm built on strength. I'm, well, no, 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 I gotta start this over again because Johnny Z fucked it up. No one in the WWF can hang with Sid. Not even you? I'm not built on strength. I'm not built on speed. I'm built on all the above. That's why I'm the World Wrestling Federation champion. <laughs> Goddamn. Sid charges into the buckle where Vader is standing and hits a kick. 
He then Irish whips Vader into the buckle across, but Vader reverses it, and then Vader runs in and gets kicked in the face. So they fucked up the spot. Sid goes to the top rope, goes for a flying body press. Vader catches him and gives him sort of a drop slam. Then he comes off the ropes for a one-man gang style 747. When Vader goes for the 747 in air, Vince yells, Forget about it! I really should have fucking tracked every time Vince says, Forget about it! on this show. I know it's a patented Vince thing, but this show is full of them. Out of nowhere, Shawn Michaels starts talking about soft spots. What does that mean? Well, he's like, Yeah, I don't know. I want to win this match, Jack. You know, I fought Vader. I gotta got a soft spot for Sid, though. I got a soft spot on my brain, too. Hey, King, I got soft spots all over me. And we do indeed cut to a split screen where we see Sean talking to King, where he's like, Hey, King, I got soft spots all over me. And Shawn Michaels is in the King's face. He's centimeters away from the King. And it looks like he's about to give him a nice friendly lick like, Hey, King Chris, you're a pretty good guy. Now you taste good too, Jack. Vader's on the middle rope measuring his opponent. Vader hits a big splash. Forget about it, yells Vince. Vader covers. One, two. But Vader picks Sid off the mat. Ooh, big mistake. Vader covers again. One, two. Vader stands up and breaks up the pin. What are you thinking, big man? Vader goes to the middle rope, and he's thinking Vader bomb. Notice he's not thinking power bomb. Vader's on the middle rope, and here comes the Vader bomb. But Sid gets his knees up. Sid then hits a clothesline. Body slams Vader. Unbelievable. Shawn Michaels then lets us know he's a big fan of Mortal Kombat. There he is, Sid. That's a boy. Finish him! Finish him! Finish him! Come on! Finish him! Is it time for the powerbomb? Well, Sid does have Vader in the powerbomb position, but Jim Cornette jumps up on the apron and enters the ring. But as Jimmy is entering, Sid lifts the middle ropes and hits Jim Cornette in the balls with the rope. Vader's free, though, but Sid turns around and gets him back in the powerbomb position. The referee is desperately trying to get Jim Cornette out of the ring, which allows Vader to hit... A low blow. Now Sid is down in the powerbomb position. But Vader can't lift the Psycho one. He tries again, but he still can't lift him. He picks Sid up. Well, he picks his hair, picks him up by the hair like, Look at me. Look at me, Sid Vicious. I'm talking to you. And he hits another eh, eh punch. Vader whips Sid into the ropes. Winds up for a big clothesline from Colorado. But Sid ducks. Sid goozles Vader. Sid chokeslams Vader! Alright! Now we're going to see a powerbomb! Sid covers Vader and hits the 1-2-3. What? No powerbomb! Vince is all like, It's going to be Psycho Sid and you, Shawn Michaels, at Madison Square Garden at the Survivor Series! Well, you know, who's going to survive? Psycho Sid or the Heartbreak Kid? I cheered for Sid. Now I gotta go bring him down. The Heartbreak Kid is off headset, enters the ring, and both men are face to face. They talk. It seems professional-ish, but you can tell that Sid has championship gold lust in his eyes. We do a Sexy Powers handshake. Woohoo! You guys remember the Sexy Powers? Shades of the Mega Powers. Pyro goes off, and Vince is like, It's gonna be the Survivor Series! And we do get a commercial for the Survivor Series weekend in New York City. Saturday night, the Hall of Fame. Sunday night, the pay-per-view. So that's fun. 
And of course, it's all presented by Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters. Now, this is a fun segment. And special shout out and thank you to Shawn Michaels for joining us. Uh, Doc Hendricks is back in the WWF New Generation announce area. He's all like, Whoa, what a weekend it's going to be in New York City. I can't wait. I'm just waiting on Sid to get back here so I can talk to him. Vince interrupts again. Vince is producing from his fucking announce chair all night. Uh, hey, Doc, don't forget to give him the number to dial for Ticketmaster. You know what, Vinnie Mac? I was just going to do that. All right, fine. Well, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Damn. We do get a graphic for the Ticketmaster phone number. Uh, uh, we get you get the number for the Ticketmaster, but an unfortunate side effect here. Um, the Survivor Series logo has been plastered onto a still photo of the World Trade Center. This didn't really age well. Hey, now that we've got our Ticketmaster information, Sid has arrived, and this is where it gets really fun. Sid, congratulations. I just got to ask you, how must it feel to know that your destiny is in your hand in November when, eh, uh, hold on, wait a minute, Doc. Uh, you know, this ain't no softball. Uh, no more easy McMahon questions. Hey, Sid, let's lay down a rhyme right here. And yes, Jim Ross has interrupted with his own in-your-house microphone. Sid is furious right away. I'm assuming because JR said, all right, uh, no more softball. What is the question, little man? Were you at one time Shawn Michaels' best friend and his bodyguard? Yes, I was! Uh, did you powerbomb him five times on Monday Night Raw? Of course I did! Will you do anything you can, including breaking his back to become the WWF Champion at Survivor Series? That question is simple! Yes, I will! I will do anything I have to 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 my destiny and make my conquer to prove that I am the man. I am the master. And ruler of the world. All right, thank you, Sid. Go ahead, Doc. Good job. Uh, thanks, Doc. <laughs> so, not only do you get the awesome random JR appears out of nowhere with his own microphone, Sid's, yes, I was! What is your question? And then his, I will do anything I have to to uh, my destiny. Classic Sid JR shit. Back at ringside, the king's like, Oh man, big man, JR really is asking the tough questions. They uh, talk back and forth about the main event of Survivor Series, but now, ladies and gentlemen, we are mere minutes away from someone being buried alive. And before the big main event, we do get a really nice video recap package. It's like cut into chapters, and it recaps the whole Undertaker-Mankind saga, and... You know, this is the type of production stuff that, you know, people look back on and should be proud of. It even has, like, chapter titles like The Beginning, The Caskets, The Urn, The Mind Games, The Brawls, Buried Alive. Like, it very much reminds me of Batman Begins. Not the movie, but how at the end of Batman Begins, Commissioner Gordon's like, What about escalation? We start carrying, uh, we start wearing body armor. They start carrying armor-piercing rounds. You put on a mask, and the fucking Joker shows up. It, it's, it's, it shows how their feud has escalated. You know, it started with a regular post-match attack that happens in wrestling all the time that night after WrestleMania 12, and it's led to Buried Alive. I like it. And then at the very end, we cut to, like, new footage of some of the vignettes they aired on Raw of The Undertaker and Mankind in different cemeteries. <laughs> Great moment. 
Undertaker, or excuse me, Mankind and Paul Bear in a graveyard. Mankind rolling around in the ground. Uncle Paul, I don't want to be buried alive. You're not going to be. Just a tremendous video. Tremendous hype. And it it ends and it fades into the tombstone live in the Market Square Arena. Awesome dissolve from the video package to this. The director should be proud. However, it's abruptly ruined. And that is, well, that's, well, that's where it's going to wind up. I don't know what he was trying to say, but he's like, well, that's where the, uh, the match will end up there. Uh, here we are now. Uh, it's time for the first ever unsanctioned match in history. First, out comes Mankind with his Uncle Paul. Uh, Paul Bear seems to be assuring Mankind that he's going to be okay as they walk to the ring, and that's cute. I like that relationship. Well, both men asked for this match. Here is a very, very fun quote. Mankind, the most deranged individual in the history of the Wild Rossling Federation, being led to the ring by the turncoat, indeed, the bulbous... Paul Bear. <laughs> Mankind rocks back and forth with the urn center ring and the lights come back on. They were down for Mankind's entrance. Bong! The lights go out again. Well, that's efficient. Here comes the Phenom! TMFTD! The Undertaker! TMFTD, of course. The man from the dark side. But it's quicker to say TMFTD. There are multiple moments during this entrance, being the Undertaker's, that I thought for sure, folks, I would have bet my own house that Vince McMahon was going to yell, In your house! Because, you know, he, he does the long talk stuff where he's like, Can you believe life from Indianapolis, Indiana? And then things like, Only the World Wrestling Federation could bring you a spectacle! I mean, but he didn't say it. The bell rings, and here we go for the big main event. Hopefully it's good, because they've got some work. they got some slack to pick up for this pay-per-view. Immediately, it's a fist fight. Fists of, death st- fists of death and destruction thrown from both participants. There's still so much smoke from the entrances, you can't see shit. Early on, Undertaker gets his big toss-the-guy-into-the-corner maneuver and starts throwing some soup bones at Mankind. Paul Bear perks up. Mankind drags the Undertaker outside the ring, but Undertaker puts on the brakes and kicks Mankind so hard he flies into the security barrier. Now, Taker is up on the top rope, and he leaps! He hits a diving hand touch to the outside, landing on Mankind in the aisleway! Now, what is a diving hand touch? Well, it looks like he might have been going for a crossbody, but... He won't go make it, so he kind of, like, touched Mankind with his hands? I don't know. Now, we get a double feature. And it looks like it was, like, a shoulder tackle, and then he put his hands on Mankind's chest to brace his fall. But it looked like a, you know, because when Kane does a flying clothesline up the top, it's a flying hand touch, okay? It looked like that. But it's fine. It's still a risk. I'm not talking shit. It was very surprising. And it happened early. So, you know. They fight down to the graveyard. Now, this graveyard, I told you I was excited about it way back when, but, you know, it's its really a fucking, you know, plot of Graveland. Uh, that's scientific. But there's a grassy knoll that you have to climb up. There's a pre-buried hole. There's a mound of dirt 
and a shovel for you to shovel the dirt on once you get your person in the pre-buried hole. There's the official in-your-house tombstone. It's a gravesite, not too shabby. Now, mankind gets thrown down on the grass, but then picks up the shovel and spikes the butt of it into the face of the undertaker on the grassy knoll. Wait a minute, on the grassy knoll? Where do I know that term from? Hey, Oswald! Anyway, Mankind sets up for a vertical soup play. The Undertaker counters into a small package on the gravesite, and he holds on to it, and both guys roll down the grassy knoll, exchanging small packages until they get to the very end. It's pretty funny. Back to the ring area now, as opposed to the gravesite area, and Mankind is rammed into the steps face first. Back inside the ring now, and Mankind is merely punched to the outside near the announce tables. Undertaker picks up some of the cables of communication. Hey, that's what's wrong with, my, with Jim Ross's microphone! Mankind is tossed over the security railing into the crowd uh, and walks towards like the Saturday night's main event announce position where Jesse and Vince's like stand would be. Uh, Undertaker pursues. They fight to that area. Undertaker throws Mankind over the security railing, then breaks into a jog, leaps over, missile style, and lands on Mankind. <coughs> yells Mankind. Vince starts getting really excited and starts talking about how, you know, the WWF is the only place where you can find action of this nature. But again, he doesn't yell in your house. Undertaker sets up Mankind for the primary school Oh, but Paul Bear wiggles the ropes, and the Undertaker is ballsed on the top rope. Mankind follows up with his, What's hey? What's hey? Punches. A little bit of time passes when there's nothing of note, until uh, later, Paul Bear hands Mankind, quote, Some sort of an object. It looks like a makeup pen. Like a lip pen where you add the extra, like, lines under your lips or, like, around your eyes. Like, you know, I've seen the Joker use it. I've seen my wife use it. Maybe I've used it. The Crow used it. You know? It's not a big deal. Makeup's just a thing. And I mean I mean that. I want to make that clear. I did make a joke where I was like, oh, I used it and breezed past it like there's something funny about a guy using it. There's not. There's nothing funny about it. I don't give a shit. I mean, I do give a shit implying that it's not a... The Crow used it. That's the joke. Fuck me sideways anyway it's it's a long pay-per-view it's been a hell of a recording session for old johnny c all right mick gets stabby with the makeup pen uh it fully's like or not fully king is like ha! look at that you said anything goes mcmahon but not but not that there has to be some semblance of order otherwise there's only well, I don't know. I loved this. It was a very Adam West-like delivery. Like in the old Batman when Adam West would look off into the distance at nothing and be like, Well, Robin, we learned today that a woman's scorn is indeed a glass half-empty, Robin. It just doesn't make any sense! Uh, pretty decent rest-in-peace chant. And I love... Because Paul Bear interacts with this rest in peace chant, just like he did when he was with The Undertaker. So, when Undertaker was a, uh, excuse me, when Paul Bear was a good guy manager with The Undertaker and the crowd would chant, rest in peace, you would hear this. Rest in peace, yes! Rest in peace, yes! Rest in peace, yes! Now you hear, 
Rest in peace. No, rest in peace. No, rest in peace. No. Undertaker starts to fight back. Undertaker gets possession of the makeup pen, and he gets stabby with it. He stabs fully like three times. Some wrestling happens. Uh, Undertaker hits his patented jumping clothesline from the dark side. His jumping leg drop. Undertaker then goes through the middle ropes to pursue Paul Bear and starts chasing him around the ringside area. Mankind takes advantage of this break in the action, gets a chair from under the ring, follows the Undertaker. He swings the chair at the Undertaker, but the Undertaker is aware of his presence and hits a little gut kick. Paul Bear sneak attacks the Undertaker and hits what is inarguably the worst earned shot in the history of our sport. But luckily, the script called for the shot to have no effect. The Undertaker looks at Paul Bear, ready to pursue. But he doesn't pursue. He turns back around and looks right at mankind. But all of a sudden, oh, forget about it! A sickening, unprotected chair shot from mankind. And oh my goodness, folks. After this sickening chair shot, mankind lays the chair down on the ring apron, puts his whole face into it, and licks the point of impact with his tongue. I can't... It, I mean, I don't want to do it, but that's pretty good stuff. Uh, the Undertaker is out in a sitting position near the steps. So Mankind's like, hey! runs, sprints, and knees the Undertaker into the steps. Pretty nice. Back at the gravesite now, and Mankind is in control. He takes Undertaker up the grassy knoll. Undertaker's down on the grass and kicked into the grave like a sack of potatoes. Now, the crowd shrieks at this moment. You know, they're buying into this. I'm digging it. Mankind gets a shovel. He gets some dirt in the shovel. But before the dirt can make contact with the Undertaker's corpse, the Undertaker pops up and goozles Mankind into the grave. Both men stand up inside the grave, and it's a great fight! Punch, 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 punch. Mankind, though, gets a handful of dirt, tosses it in the eyes of the Undertaker. Uh, they kind of fight out back onto the grassy knoll. Mankind tries to hip-toss the Undertaker into the grave. But the Undertaker counters it and hip-tosses Mankind off of the grassy knoll onto the concrete floor. Awesome, but scary and painful looking. Back to the ring. Somehow Mankind is in control. He hits the pole, the pants pile driver, and he covers the Undertaker! But, but there's no counting. Mankind's pissed, so he yanks his own hair out in anger. Taker fights back to a vertical base. He goes for a big elbow drop, but misses. Now, Mankind puts the chair on the wrestling ring mat and hits the double-arm DDT onto the chair. He then rocks with the urn next to Paul Bear. You'll bury him alive, Mankind! It's all over for the Undertaker! Tonight he'll die! Yes, yes! Now, Every once in a while, the WWF pulls an awesome shot, camera shot that is, out of their ass, and this is one of them. So Undertaker is laying on his back. He's going to do the sit-up, so you know how he's looking. Mankind, like I said, is close to him in the corner, rocking back and forth with the urn. So picture your TV screen. The 70% of the left side of the frame is the Undertaker's face and his neck lying down on his back unconscious, okay? But it's in the foreground. And in the background, and there's implied depth, Mankind is rocking back and forth, and he takes up about 30% of the frame. The rocking continues. The Undertaker hits a sit-up, and then we transition out of that camera shot. But it was just, 
you know, it's not as good as like Vince peering over the fucking side of the ring at WrestleMania 19, but it's it caught me. I was like, ah, that's a quality shot. All right, Undertaker gets the chair. Uh, well, he kicks Mankind, then picks up the chair and, and slams it into his back. Basically exactly what you'd see on Raw or SmackDown these days, and that's fine. I just want to give you context. He puts the chair... Uh, Mankind's laying on his back now. Undertaker puts the chair on top of Mankind's face, leaps, and hits a Van Takenator leg drop! There's a great shot of Paul Bear reacting to this like, Oh, shit, that looks like it hurt. Mankind rolls to the ring apron and uh, stun guns Undertaker over the top rope, which is called a clever maneuver by Mankind. Mankind rolls up the protective mats at ringside, and oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, we get a double feature of the Van Takernator leg drop, and Vince is appalled by the brutality and yells, look, that's... That's what they're doing to each other in your house! Yes, he did it! He said, in your house, completely out of context. And I'll tell you what, he said it during a pretty good match. I'm enjoying this. In a night of painful wrestling, this was such a pleasure. And then, after taking about a beat of yelling, That's what they're doing to each other in your house! Buried alive! Oh my god, I'm gonna have myself a Sunday in Indianapolis, Shades of the Heartbreak Kid, if Vince doesn't stop. I am eclectic here! Mick goes to set up a pile driver uh, on the exposed ground of the arena to the Undertaker, and Vince yells, Oh no! That's concrete now! It's like they know I'm watching this, because this is the greatest, like, 12 seconds ever! All this stuff is great. Mick goes for the pull the pants pile driver. No, Undertaker back body drop. But here's what's interesting. So the Undertaker back body drops mankind out of the pile driver. But pause, because he doesn't fully complete the back body drop. He holds on to the Undertaker's or to mankind's ankles, and so mankind's like holding on to his back, like wheelbarrow slam position. Taker walks backwards and falls into the steps, and Mick's body just collides to it. I've never. I don't think I've I've seen this match before, so I've seen this spot before, but I don't think I've ever seen this exact spot repeated before, which makes it unique, which makes it memorable, and it's crazy. Thought I'd mention that. Undertaker tosses the steps inside the ring, throws him into Mankind's face, then drives him into his back, slashes the throat, hits the tombstone, perfect, dead center of the ring. Taker points to the grave. Undertaker carries Mankind to the grave. That's, that's a feat. No offense to Mick. You carried me to the gravesides of feet. Undertaker climbs the grassy knoll, drops Mankind on the grass, but Mankind shoots up and he locks in the Mandible Claw out of nowhere! Both men are rolling around on the ground. Undertaker seems to be out from the paralyzing grass with the Mandible Claw. Paul Bear throws Mankind the urn. Mankind lifts the urn to strike, but he gets goozled and chokeslammed into the open grave! My God, he's killed him! Undertaker grabs the shovel, throws some dirt on top of Mankind, and it looks like he's... Looks... He's... Could he be? Is it possible? He's... Yes! Buried alive! The bell rings, and the match is over. Good match. 
Good match. We'll talk about it at the end of the whole thing. Let's cover what happens afterwards. Undertaker doesn't want to stop burying. Vince is freaking out like, All right, well, we need to stop now. The Buried Alive match has been completed. The attraction has has run its course. Please stop burying a man alive on my TV show. The Undertaker tosses a bunch of referees. This is going too far. Someone stop this, etc., etc. When suddenly, oh my God. Oh my God. As Ric Flair might say, Terry Bam Bam motherfucking Gordy, the man who assaulted the Puerto Rican team at the Clash of the Champions in 1992, one half of the Miracle Violence Connection, hits uh, Undertaker in the skull with a shovel. Of course, Terry Bam Bam Gordy is dressed like a gimp or an executioner from old-timey Robin Hood days, if you will. Oh, Robin Hood, I am. Hey, excuse me, mankind, I'm the executioner. Have you found Robin Hood? I'm going to cut his head off, I do. I mean, that's what he looks like. Now, Mankind has been covered in dirt, and so Terry Gordy, or the Executioner, dives into the grave to rescue Mankind. Like, it's almost childlike in innocence. It's pretty funny. Get him out! Get him out! Get him out! We find Mankind. They yank him out. He's okay. I should mention while Terry Gordy is digging out Mankind, the Undertaker is taking a literal dirt nap. He looks like a chalk outline drawing of a corpse because he's like spread eagle with his face onto the pile of dirt. Like he's he's taking a dirt nap. I'll see myself out now. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Foley tosses Undertaker into the grave. There's some thunder. The executioner starts helping mankind bury the Undertaker with dirt. Mankind is using a shovel. <laughs> this executioner, the man with the body of a giant and the brain of a child bends over with his butt hanging in the air and starts scooping dirt into the grave. He looks but like pushing it back, uh, front to back, with bent over. He looks like a cat scooping litter. It's tremendous. The lights go out. Undertaker is pretty, co- pretty much covered in a lot of dirt. The Undertaker is literally being buried alive. Mankind. Paul Bearer. And whoever that guy is out there are doing everything they can to bury him. The grave's pretty full of dirt. Wait a minute, though. Goldust is here with the shovel. Hunter Hearst is here with the shovel. JHB, John Hulk Bradshaw with the shovel. Crush is here with the... Wait a minute. Crush is here with the shovel. Is Crush the only person to be responsible for a double homicide on the same person? Because he helped kill The Undertaker at Royal Rumble 94, and he helped kill The Undertaker here. I don't know. Big rest in peace, Chan, as all the heels bury. Um, at one point, it sounded like, because Paul Bear's like telling everybody what to do, but it sounds like he's directing a porno. Shades of Boogie Nights. Guess he's yelling, oh yes, feel it, feel it, oh yes. Go on, shovel him. I'll pay you well, feel him, yeah. Oh. The burying's taking a bit long now. Finally, there's some thunder. And a big pop. All the bad guys except for Mankind scurry with their shovels. Vince is like, I I feel something here. Mankind finishes the burial of the Undertaker. Jams the shovel into the dirt. Mankind and uh, Paul Bear proudly survey their work. We, uh, well, we certainly hope you've enjoyed in your house. Buried alive. There's a nice wide shot of the grave. And my god, lightning hits the tombstone! 
There's sort of an explosion, and the Undertaker's gloved hand emerges from the grave. The copyright hits, and we hear, Wait! He's alive! The Undertaker is alive! What? The Undertaker lives! He will not rest in peace! And the show is over. Okay. A solid opener with fun. Uh, you know, a really good main event. Like, I was surprised how much fun this one was. It starts quick, and it hits hard the entire time, and it has a unique feel. Um, Buried Alive matches aren't, like, the greatest, but this was good. I enjoyed this. You know, it was fun. It was good to see again. But, man, I feel like, and it might just be because of the way I watch these things and the amount of copious notes I take, but it felt like there was a lot going on in this show with nothing going on, if that makes sense. It's it's basically a two-hour hype show for tomorrow night's edition of Raw and then a little bit of the Survivor Series. Weird. And I get that it's, you know, it's the Monday Night War era, like, they're in that, and, and it's important to hype your Raw show, but I don't know. Weird pay-per-view. Icing on the cake. Hardly any in-your-house references which was disheartening, but we got a really good one there at the end, but, uh, yeah. Put a, stick a fork in old Concrete Man. He's done for this go-around in this episode because Johnny C is tired, and I need to take myself a dirt nap, but, uh, you know, watch the opener and the closer, and maybe the Shawn Michaels drug-induced commentary if you want to. That's fine. Allegedly. That's fine. But, uh, you know, as usual here on the new TNN, thanks for coming along and checking out all the content that we do. Tell your friends about it. Retweet stuff. Share links. You know, if, if someone that you know likes wrestling and stuff like this, but you don't think they've ever heard the show, send them a message and be like, bro, this shit's good. Or gal, this shit's good. Whatever the situation might be. And we'll talk to you as soon as humanly possible. I don't know why I said that. I'm Johnny C. And a winner is you. And your parents will.